0: This time, that you join me in turning in your Bibles to Psalm two. In your pew Bibles, is page eight hundred and forty-four. Psalm two. Eight hundred and forty-four. Hear now the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you be destroyed in your way. For His wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Psalm 2 is uh, one of those psalms I think that uh, the people of God should sing often, should put before them, often should uh, ponder and consider. Uh, But it seems... um, In this past year that we've all experienced, Psalm 2 has become all that much more important. I was um, in the midst of my research for um, putting together this sermon and working on this sermon, came across uh, a sermon preached by um, James Coates on Psalm 2. Now, if you don't know, James Coates was an Albertan pastor who uh, was put in prison this year for a number of months because he refused to stop worshiping the Lord and allowing all of his congregation to come and worship the Lord together. There's a number of regulations at that time. In Alberta, 25% of your capacity could be in your building, so on and so forth. And He believed that was wrong. It was wrong to break up the body of Christ. It was wrong to have these kinds of harsh regulations over something that we now realize is not as um, um, serious as we thought at first. And and so he was continuing to worship, continuing to worship. And um, finally they they arrested him, put him in prison for a couple of months, Uh, finally let him out of prison because they realized that was bad press. Um, But then not too long after that, they came and they... They, didn't, they, didn't, they decided it's not a good idea to jail the pastor, but let's jail the church. And so they took this church that he pastors and they gated the whole church, fenced it all off, blocked them from getting to their own property, paid for and everything, so that they couldn't gather together for worship. And so Pastor Coates... Did what I think any faithful pastor would do in that situation. Found another place to worship with his congregation. And preached on Psalm 2. Now, let me get this straight for you. This is Canada, our nation to the north. A western nation with western laws. And they're arresting and jailing and boarding off churches. Churches. Many of the things that we experienced this past year when it came to our government may have frustrated us, made us feel like we didn't have the freedoms that we once had, that we took for granted many of those freedoms that we thought maybe that it seems a little bit more like our government is turning away from the Lord and a microscope, a magnifying glass is being placed upon God's faithful people and persecution may be on the horizon. Many of our brothers and sisters all over the world already experience persecution in great degrees, being jailed, imprisoned, being tortured. Psalm 2 has a lot to say about that. Psalm 2 has a lot of comfort and encouragement to bring to God's people in the midst of facing evil rulers and regimes So it's important, I think, that we talk about this because we may see a future very soon where it's no longer um, socially beneficial to claim the name of Jesus Christ. It's going to cost more. And is it worth the cost? And I think Psalm 2 says yes, it's worth the cost. So our theme this morning is, in his battle with the leaders of the earth, the Lord will have worldwide victory through his anointed king. In his battle with the leaders of the earth, the Lord will have worldwide victory through his anointed king. We have four points this morning. They break down into the four stanzas of Psalm 2. And uh, I have them labeled here, but I'm going to speak of them in a couple of different ways. Um... The first is the nations are speaking. The people who are speaking, it's the nations. It's the leaders. It's the kings. They're the ones speaking. Um, and the second point, verses 4 through 6, it's the Lord, Yahweh, who speaks, right? And, and verses 7 through 9, it's the Son who speaks. And in verses 10 through 12, it's the Holy Spirit that speaks, okay? But our labels this morning are point number one, the nations rebel, verses 1 through 3. Point number two, the Lord lasts, verses 4 through 6. Point number three, the chosen king, verses 7 through 9. And point number four, the nations warn, verses 10 through 12. And so let's look at that first point, verses 1 through 3, the nations rebel. Now, Psalm 2 is what you call a royal psalm. And you could even uh, stick another name on it that's more specific, a coronation psalm. Psalm 2 is a psalm that was used during the coronation of Davidic kings. And it pulled from a lot of promises God had given to David about his kingdom and about his heritage and about the descendants that would come after him. That God promised David he would have someone on his throne forever. And the God said, on the day that you become king, it is like I am adopting you as my son. You are my son and I'm your father. And so you see a lot of this language. Psalm 2 also is sort of an introduction to the whole psalter. Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 together tell us many of the themes that are in the Psalter, about wisdom, about following God's law, but also about God's kingdom and God's chosen king. These are themes that go all the way throughout the Psalter. And so there's connection between Psalm 1 and Psalm 2. So if Psalm 1 is the first day of class, Psalm 2 is the second day of class, and they didn't get all the way through the syllabus, so you need to know this sort of information, right? Um, So Psalm 2 is a coronation psalm, so you can see Psalm 2 in light of the fact that this was used when Israel was a united kingdom in the coronation of kings, okay? But it has a further meaning as well, and we'll get to that. So point number one, we read in verses 1 through 3, the nations rebel. So why do the nations rage? Why do they conspire? The peoples plot in vain. They plot a vain thing. The kings of the earth take their stand. The rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. And what do they say? The collective of all these nations raging, these nations conspiring. Now there's been a lot of talk about conspiracy theories and and uh, what is really going on with all the things that have been happening in our world. Conspiracy theories are not a new thing. But what God is saying here is that there is a real conspiracy amongst the nations and leaders and rulers of the people in the times of Israel as a kingdom, but also today. In fact, the New Testament says that there are spirits and powers and rulers of the air. In fact, if you read Daniel, it even seems to be that there are demonic forces who are at work behind the kings of Persia and Babylon. So there is this reality of spiritual warfare, right? And in the midst of this spiritual warfare, there is this reality that the nations and the peoples conspire against the Lord. And they come together and they make a plot These are the United Nations. And they make a plot against the Lord and His Mashiach. That's the word, anointed one. It's what comes to be understood as Messiah in the New Testament. The Mashiach, the anointed one. The kings were anointed to show that God had chosen them. That God had poured His blessing upon them. But this term, the Mashiach, the anointed one... Came to be meaning more than just the anointed king. It came to be meaning the servant, the one who was coming, right? Because Israel kept Psalm 2 even after there were no more kings sitting on the throne, after they returned from Babylon. And so, because there were no more kings, this term, the Mashiach, the Messiah, it came to be understood as the fulfillment of this promised descendant of David. You understand that right? So, they conspire against the Lord and against his anointed one. And what is it that they want to do? What is it that we should look at when we see the nations and the peoples and the kings and the rulers conspiring together? Well, they do what all sinful powers desire to do. They desire to break free and throw off the, the fetters that God has placed upon them. You understand this, right? That the Bible says the Lord is ruler over all, all nations and all peoples. God is the one who has created the standard, He is the standard. God will judge all rulers, all nations, all leaders by this. By this. And what is it that sinful, evil, and wicked rulers desire to do? They desire to be free from that knowledge. They desire to be free from the reality that God is ruler over them and God will hold them accountable and God will judge them. They desire to be able to do whatever it is that they want to do, to put into place any wicked rules or laws that they desire to do, to get rid of any righteous... Or just laws that are in place. They desire to be able to do whatever it is that they want to do. And look around you people. Is that not what we're living in right now? In our nation? People do what is right in their own eyes. Up is down. Down is up. Good is evil. Evil is good. The nations plot a vain thing. They are rebelling against the Lord and his anointed one. It is the story of the time of David's kingship. It is the story of our own time. But remember what Psalm 2, verse 1 said. They plot a vain thing. It is empty. It is breath. It is nothing. It will come to nothing. And why is that? Because our second point, the Lord laughs. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. You might be thinking to yourself, in the midst of all that's going on right now, if you watch the news or if you wonder how it is that so quickly people would give up their freedoms, so quickly people could be controlled and manipulated, so quickly so many businesses would be lost, jobs would be lost, incomes would be lost. If you wonder and you realize how how quickly people can be duped by these, these powers and these authorities, And these rulers and these nations that are doing these evil things. If you wonder how quickly, if you wonder how can anybody even stand up against this. If you wonder how can anybody even stop what is happening. The direction that our country and our nation is going in. The direction that that, that the things are heading in. Where a, a Canadian pastor can be jailed and his church imprisoned. Where pastors in our own country can be fined for gathering for worship. If you're wondering how, how can this even be overcome, I'd like to give you a word of comfort. God looks down upon all the nations who rage and conspire and come together to give their unified power to breaking the bonds that the Lord and his anointed one have put upon them, the reality that one day they will all be held responsible, that one day they will all stand before him, kneel before the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and give an account for what they've done. This is what the Lord does. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. He laughs. It's a scornful laugh. It's a laugh when you gather together to get into a boxing match and a little tiny, scrawny, skinny kid comes out against the guy who's been training his whole life for that match. You want to know what the Lord says about all the conspiring and the raging that all the nations and the powers of this world do against his kingdom and his chosen king? The nations are like drop in the bucket they're like not even dust they're a subcategory of dust the Lord laughs he scoffs at all their conspiring and this is what he does then He rebukes him in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. The Lord's response to all the conspiring of all the kings and kingdoms of this world, all the nations and the wicked rulers who are seeking to come against him and to overcome him, is he places his own king on the throne. Now in the times of David, the king would be installed on Zion where ultimately the temple was built, the holy hill. But all things in the kingdom of Israel were copies of the realities in heaven, as the book of Hebrews tells us. And so there is a Zion which we have come to that is not like Sinai covered in cloud and flames, of which they said, if you touch it, you shall be killed. We come to the holy hill, Zion, the city of God, where all the faithful have gathered. And on that Zion, God has placed his king of kings, his lord of lords, because God promised King David an eternal kingdom. And in order to have an eternal kingdom, you must have what? An eternal king. And Jesus Christ Came, he lived, he died. And what did he do? He ascended to sit at the right hand of God. Lord's Day 19, why the next words, and sitteth at the right hand of God. Christ ascended to heaven there to show that he is head of his church and that the Father rules all things through him. That's how the Lord responds to the raging and the conspiring and the plotting of all the vain things that the kingdoms of this world seek to do against the Lord and his anointed. He sets Jesus Christ, our Savior, King of kings and Lord of lords, on the throne. that's, That's what the Lord says. The Lord speaks. But what does Jesus say? The Chosen King is point three, verses seven through nine. Jesus then speaks, I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Or it says, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth, your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You'll dash them to pieces like pottery. Like pottery. So the day in which Jesus Christ ascended to sit on the throne at the right hand of God the Father, picture for us in the book of Revelation that scroll that could not be opened by anybody, but there was the Lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. The Lamb, He can approach the heavens. He can approach the Lord. And He can open that scroll. Nobody else can. But He can. And then... The people said, Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the lamb. Because on that day, the Lord said to him, You're my son. Today I have begotten you. We know, of course, that Jesus is eternally begotten. But this is about his enthronement. This is about his coronation and the ascension. Ask of me, The the Father says, And I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. This is one of the things that I remind myself of often when we live in a world that continues to deal with the world, the flesh, the devil. That continues to be under the influence of the curse. That continues to be uh, a place where evil rulers and dominions and powers and authorities can have their way. It's something that I heard Greg Bonson say about this moment and about this passage. Do you think Jesus forgot to ask? Do you think Jesus forgot to ask His Father for the nations, for the ends of the earth? Do you think that the Old Testament is lying when it says the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea? Do you think the Old Testament is lying when it says the ends of the earth await the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ? Do you think that the Old Testament is lying when it says the increase of His government and His kingdom, there shall be no end? Do you think When we pray, his kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we don't really mean it? God promised Jesus Christ, his son, the king of kings and the lord of lords. In his enthronement, in his ascension, in his session at the right hand of the father. That he would give him the nations and the ends of the earth as his inheritance as his possession that Jesus says that God says of Jesus you rule them with an iron scepter you'll dash them to pieces like pottery uh, a verse that is alluded to in Revelation 19 when we read of the second coming of Jesus Christ in his head as the battle leader of the army of the Lord and the defeat of all the nations and the wicked rulers and powers and authorities This is the chosen king. And in his battle with leaders of the earth, the Lord will have worldwide victory through his anointed king, Jesus Christ. And what is so powerful about us as the people of God remembering that Jesus is that king? How does Christ return? The judge living and the dead comfort you? Lord's Day 19, question 52. In all my distress and persecution, I turn my eyes to the heavens and confidently await as judge the very one who has already stood trial in my place before God and so has removed the whole curse from me. All his enemies and mine, he will condemn to everlasting punishment. But me and all his chosen ones he will take along with him into the joy and the glory of having the wonder and the comfort of knowing that Jesus Christ is God's chosen king, is all those who are conspiring against him. They await a wrathful judgment. But we, we have already been judged because we were judged in Christ. We were judged in Christ. And so the coming return of Jesus Christ is not something that frightens us. It's something that reminds us that no matter what we face in this life, no matter what persecution we may experience, no matter what hardship we may encounter as we confront the powers of this world, as we confront the evil rulers and authorities and dominions in this world with the light of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, with the kingdom of God proclaimed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter what suffering we may experience, we are on the right side of history. We have something greater awaiting us that cannot be taken from us. And we confidently await the promises of God to be fulfilled. What they conspire for is a little moment in this time, in this world with its limitations. What we wait for, what we wait upon the Lord for is a forever of joy and glory and pleasures in the Lord. And finally, we have this final point. This is when the Holy Spirit speaks to Jesus Christ. This is when the nations are warned. These, if I were from the South, I would say these be fighting words. These are words that the people of God need to have. On their tongues, in their mouths. The Holy Spirit says, therefore, therefore, because God laughs at the plans of all the evil rulers and kings and kingdoms of this world that conspire together, therefore, because God has responded by placing His anointed King, Jesus Christ, on the throne, the forever king of a forever kingdom. Therefore, because God has promised to this king, you will have the nations. Because God has promised to this king, you will rule them, even if it is with judgment and crushing them and dashing them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, listen up, you nations, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your, ray, in your way for his wrath can flare up in a moment. May I ask you something? Is the church in our day and age prophetically speaking this word to the evil rulers and nations and powers and authorities as it should be? When I watched James Coates preach on Psalm 2, I saw him do that. I saw him speak to the Albertan province and government these words. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Remember, Remember, Romans 13 says, you rulers that you are deacons of the Lord, you are servants of the Lord, that all authority that has been given is from God, that there is no authority that is not from God. So you have been placed where you are by God's decree. You are where you are now because of God. Therefore, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. That combination, fear and rejoicing with trembling, that is a wonderful combination. Rulers, are you doing that? People of God, do you know that you can speak these words confidently? Can we say, therefore, therefore, you wicked rulers of Cook County, therefore, Lori Lightfoot, therefore, commissioners, therefore, House of Representatives and and, and state representatives in our country, in our state, Therefore, President Joe Biden, therefore, Kamala Harris, therefore, if you see that they are wickedly ruling, if you see that they are doing things in accordance or out of accordance with God's law, can you speak to them these words? And Psalm 2 says, yes. All you are doing is in love. You are warning them of the judgment that awaits them if they do not serve the Lord with fear and trembling, if they do not kiss the Son, if they do not pay Him fealty, what awaits them is a judgment and a wrath for their wicked ruling, their wicked laws, their wicked decrees, their wicked treatment of God's people. Judgment awaits them. And as God's people who have received not judgment, but grace and mercy, that is what we want for them. We want them to turn from their evil and wicked ways and take that power and that responsibility that they have to bless instead of curse. To rule with justice and righteousness instead of wickedness and corruption. We want them to have the same comfort that we have when we think of Christ who comes to judge the living and the dead, that instead of receiving the judgment that they so deserve for their sins, they would receive grace and mercy because they've been judged in Jesus Christ. Are we warning the nations? Are we warning the kings and the rulers of the earth? To serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Are we telling them, you are not the ultimate ruler. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. You are not God. God is God. Therefore, kiss the Son. Lest He be angry and you be destroyed in your way. For His wrath can flare up in a moment. may we warn the nations and may we remind ourselves that if not for the grace and mercy of God and Jesus Christ, we would be needing to hear these words of warning ourselves. But instead, we receive the blessing of Psalm 2. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. There is no escape from Him. There is only refuge in him. Those are the only two paths. Either you receive the wrath that you deserve for your wickedness and your sin, or you receive the grace and the mercy you do not deserve because you are found in Christ. This is something that each and every one of us as individuals know, but this is also something that Psalm 2 tells us belongs to those who are in power and who are in authority and who are rulers and kings of this earth. We may see persecution on the rise in the future if not for God extending His grace and His mercy to us, if not for revival and repentance on a large scale. But even if those days come Is it worth the cost that it will bring to be named a Christian, to be one who follows Jesus Christ, and to be one who will not give up our confession that Christ is Lord? My prayer to you is that you would know it is. Because here in Psalm 2 we read that all those. Although those who are in power conspire and rage, there is a king set on the throne by God himself. And in his battle with the leaders of the earth, the Lord will have worldwide victory through his anointed king, Jesus Christ. And we, if we believe in Jesus Christ, we are victors with him. Faith is what overcomes this world. Faith is victory in this world. And our faith in Jesus Christ I pray, will bring us to the end when he returns and we are with him forever. Amen. We you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you have given us a king in Jesus Christ and that in your battle, the leaders of the earth, the seed of the woman will ultimately overcome and have worldwide victory over the seed of the serpent through your anointed king, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that when Christ comes again, all evil powers will finally and completely be destroyed. And we will enter into a kingdom where there is only good. Where there is an end to the curse. Where there is an end to all corrupt worldly powers all evil desires, all flesh that remains, all sinful nature. We, in our resurrected bodies, will enjoy your presence and communion with you throughout all eternity. So we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would give us comfort in the midst of hardships, persecutions, although as little as we may be experiencing those in the form now, we pray that you would also strengthen us for the days ahead if we may see more harsh persecution. We pray that we would know that blessed are all who take refuge in Christ the Son.